Hello, this is Aaron Wren, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm very pleased to be joined today in the studio by Sasha Hasselmeyer, the founder of CityMart. So, Sasha, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Aaron. Glad to be here. We are going to talk today about procurement, which you might think is the most boring subject on planet Earth, but I am so confident that you're going to like what Sasha has to say on it that I'm going to go ahead and remind you that if you have not yet done so, please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you uh, consume these podcasts because that helps people to discover them. So again, Sasha, thanks for joining. And again, here in the U.S., we tend to think about procurement as a very painful activity. It's, it's something you got to do because your corporation or your government you know, makes you do it in order to get something that you want. It's highly bureaucratic. Uh, it's highly regulated. You can't really make any changes to public procurement because there's so many laws. And you're telling me that's not true. So I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, so so I can tell you that I never considered procurement as a path. When I was a child, I certainly didn't think, oh, one day I'll have a career in public procurement. I wanted to be an astronaut, a, an architect. And what brought me to public procurement is that it really plays a really important role in shaping our cities and communities. Um, cities like New York City or Los Angeles deliver um, more than 1,500 services. And what we found and what the question I was asking myself all the time is, why are so many of those services, let's say, 10 years behind what they could be compared to other cities? So um, so that was a starting question about, you know, kind of what is the system underlying this? Why don't great ideas spread fast across cities? And then procurement kind of um, was the endpoint of many of those conversations and questions I asked. And it's true, it's a system that is heavily regulated. Um, it's a system that has a number of policies in place. It's actually when you read the legal text, it's a lot simpler than it would seem to be. So people seem to build a myth around it, how complicated and horrible it is. Uh, that was the first thing we discovered. The second thing we discovered is that procurement is a universal system, meaning the rules are pretty much identical anywhere in any city in the world you go to, which means if you find a way of improving outcomes by 10, 20, 30%, you've really hacked a system that is incredibly scalable to, to transform outcomes. Yeah, so your uh, firm, City Mart, does work with cities all over the world, actually, not just in the United States, which itself is a rarity because so much of what we focus on here in the U.S., we have a very, uh, you know, maybe parochial outlook about things here. Uh, but but you seem to be trying to move things from buying things to solving problems. I know you have a number of interesting examples. So why don't you tell us more about what you do and, and then some of the things that it's delivered for the cities? Yeah, so when we started out um, kind of looking at procurement 10 years ago, we had $10,000 in our bank account. Um, all our mentors and advisors were saying, don't go there. You will ruin your life. Um, no, one, no one ever would change anything about it. But we said there must be a way. And the hack we found was basically to educate cities to start out by asking better questions from the market. So most procurements write very, very detailed specifications about the object you want to acquire. Um, and what we found is those specifications, um, there are a lot of assumptions baked into those. So one of the assumptions is that I know how best to solve the problem at hand. So I give you a good example. So you might find a procurement to, com- to buy 
um, 100 uh, traffic signals and then come the 200 pages of detailed design specifications on what those have to look like. And there might be five companies out there that can provide those. Um, but step back from this for a moment and think about, is a traffic signal really the best way to make a street crossing safe? And you realize that most of the behaviors in public procurement are really designed about repeating old recipes, right? Of, of jumping to the conclusion that traffic light is best. So what we found, on average, there are 30 alternative approaches that haven't been considered by the procurement team. So when you 30? think of... Hmm? 30? 30, on average, that haven't been considered. Um, in some cases, it's even more. And, um, and a lot of those approaches might be more promising, might be more cost-effective, might deliver better outcomes. And we're closing the door to them when we specify that traffic light. So what well, we said, well, cities, why don't you just publish... I want to buy a safer street crossing and allow the traffic lights to compete with all these other things. And when we started out, everyone said, oh, that cannot be done. And so we embarked on a journey where we've now implemented this in 135 cities and 35 countries in the most difficult circumstances, cities that are not known for innovation and transparency and procurement excellence like Lagos or Moscow as well as uh, world-class cities like Stockholm, uh, San Francisco, New York. And it really showed that you can really change the game without any changes in policy, without any changes in um, technical or legal changes, but really just saying, why don't we go to market with a question? That was our starting point. Well, that reminds me a lot of uh, what we used to go through at Accenture. I was a partner there for a while and, 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 and basically built my career there. And clients would always want to bring us in to bid on a system that they already knew they wanted to build. It's like, we want a CRM system. We want to do this. And always the first thing we wanted to do was understand the problem they were doing better. Because if you implement, a, even if the client hires you and pays you a whole bunch of money to build something, if it actually doesn't work well and function well at the end, you know, you're going to take the blame for that. So um, so that was something. Do you, do you have any uh specific kind of deals that you worked on that it would be okay for you to talk about ones that you, you did? Yeah, so, so there are a number. So I think the first thing to kind of clarify is that this doesn't just apply to technology, mm -hmm. but um, so we've worked on social services. We've worked on economic opportunity or digital inclusion. Um, we've worked on lighting systems, waste systems, and urban infrastructures. Um, I think a good example um, here is what happened in Philadelphia um, around their Vision Zero initiative. So Philadelphia stands out to statistically for having um, the highest fatality rate um, of um, in traffic compared to any of its peer cities in the US and abroad. And that has been known for decades. And for decades, the city has been investing heavily in multi-million dollars a year infrastructure improvements like building roundabouts and other physical major works. And so Philadelphia came to us and said, oh, we'd like to see if we can move that spending because it hasn't moved the needle. The numbers didn't change. Can we move that to technology? Are there maybe some digital systems we can invest in, digital infrastructure to make the streets safer as part of our kind of smart cities vision? And so we took them through a process of saying, okay, so tell us about the problem you're trying to solve. That was pretty clear, reduce traffic fatalities. We said, so what is the root cause? It's always the second question we ask. What is causing that? And things came silent. And the city was kind of navel-gazing and looking and researching and thinking like, like, we don't actually know. 
And so um, part of our work is then to kind of show cities how other cities are tackling these problems, kind of get inspiration through kind of seeing how other cities procure and, and do things. And one of the things they found is that other cities were buying data. They were buying behavioral statistics and analytics as to how people move around traffic and why accidents come about and why fatalities result. And so it turned out that the city was basically building stuff for decades that wasn't necessarily well informed by how you measure the intervention, right? Where do you target it? So we pivoted the procurement, what, what was going to be maybe a multi-million dollar procurement uh, for, for technology infrastructure to say, okay, let's find the market for this data and analytics. Um, we ran the RFP. Um, the winning bid was closed uh, for, I believe, $30,000 um, instead of millions. Um, it turned out that there was a research center at uh, one of the city's universities that had been collecting and managing the data for years that no one knew about. And so it became a kind of very quick connection and quick fix to, um, to now structure much better and targeted investments saying this is how actually things happen. And, and, and I think that's what we see often that we're not just buying something different, but we're actually solving the problem in a more meaningful way. Interesting. You have noted, I mean, again, noticing that you worked all over the world, Lagos, Moscow, you've made the point that the UK uh, has been a leader in rethinking procurement at the local level. What did, what did they do differently and, and what caused it? Yes, yeah, so I think in, in, in the UK is an interesting story. Procurement has a long history in the UK for being very experimental. We've gone through many years of uh, extremes uh, like the private finance initiative that or the privatization of railways and so forth that had by and large not necessarily positive outcomes but showed clearly that people were trying to find a better way of doing things. And so in 2006, the uh, Scottish government um, published what was called the McClellan Report and which was really the first structured approach to procurement reform to kind of look at what should procurement be and what should procurement do. And what happened afterwards was that um, now city councils are required to have five-year procurement strategies. Um, we've seen a real change in the purpose of procurement where it's not just a clerical task to execute the purchase of something, but is actually a leadership function in government to lead transformation of government and services, um, to lead to more cost efficiency and, and guarantee better outcomes but also really is taken on a design function to kind of rethink and redesign and repackage our needs and communities, prioritize them, and then invest and partner with the market in new ways. And I think that's really become a practice um, that for the past 13 years has evolved and has scaled not just to the kind of leading cities or leading teams, but really widely adopted in small towns like Wakefield who are publishing really visionary procurement strategies um, and, and are really thinking about what does excellence look like and what is the profession we're trying to create here. Mm. You know, another thing, um, yeah, because if you think about in the, in the U.S., I mean, procurement is definitely like the back office. It's sort of a compliance function in, in a lot of ways. I always uh, found the, the procurement people were just there to ensure that certain boxes got checked and there's certain standard clauses inserted in every contract, whether they made any sense or not. And I always, you know, was 
was not really like enthusiastic about the procurement process from either either as the as the as the consultant going to a client or as an internal person buying something it was always quite quite difficult but you're telling me it doesn't have to be that way yeah so so what we found is that um, procurement certainly in government is is very much based on the principles that you should know the problem you want to solve and that should always be at the center of what you're doing you should know the market, you should know the options you have, and then ultimately this should be a fair and open process. And I think what we found is when we brought procurement um, teams in all these governments to the table early on when we said, we want to make the street crossing safer, how can we procure for that outcome? They were delighted and they were really, really powerful partners empowering the process um, because this is the essence of what this function should be. What instead we also found is that often innovation in government is defined as, oh, here's a guy that really knows what he wants to have. He's super smart. He goes to procurement and says, look, I really know who I want to buy from. I really know exactly what I want. You just deliver it for me. Mm. And procurement has an averse reaction to it because it does contradict mm. the way it's set up. Um, and I would also say there is a degree of discomfort in doing something differently. So the reason why we worked in so many cities was in part to create precedent, to kind of show, well, look, they've done it in Philadelphia. Why shouldn't you do it in, in Pittsburgh, right? To have kind of peers that can say, I've done it, and to grow that community to more than um, about 3,000 professionals now that have participated in these new ways of doing things. One of the very interesting things that your firm has done with procurement is on the supplier diversity side, which is a big focus of basically every city, they have all these different uh, minority business enterprise requirements and women-owned business requirements. Various varies from place to place, but they're trying to get a more diverse supplier base, and uh, it's often very frustrating for them. Uh, but you've been able to to make some remarkable change in some of those places through some pretty simple processes. I'd, I'd, so I'd just love you to talk more about that. Yeah, so, so what we found is that we came to this really from an angle of innovation, of saying, why don't great solutions spread faster? And as we were implementing these processes, we realized um, that the procurements we were running that asked a more open question and were more outcome-oriented had these really amazing um, participation rates of minority and women-owned businesses and small businesses more broadly. And not just participation, they were winning these contracts that were supposed to be really innovative. Um, so that was one thing we noticed that really what we consider to be innovation seemed to be really good for those businesses to participate. And part of it is that we're, um, we're transcending the echo chamber of procurement, which is full of companies that are tracking procurements, that know they want to sell to government and are good at it, um, by saying, well, we should speak to the whole economy. We had in one city, we had 2% of the entire population download an RFP to see if they can um, win the contract to fix bicycle thefts in the city. So, um, so what we found is opening up allowed small businesses to shine. It reduced the entry barriers. Um, it also, um, and by notifying them proactively, um, by reaching out to them and coming to them with a deal opportunity. They participated and win contracts. And, and MWBEs and small businesses are important for two reasons. One is that every procurement and every mayor in any city wants to diversify who they do business with. 
uh, city governments spend 10% of GDP. It's a huge spending amount, but also they're frustrated with the big vendors who are really good at managing change orders, mm. but not necessarily so caring about the actual problem they're solving. Um, so there are a number of factors coming together, and we found that diversifying procurement and finding new partners for the city has a strong economic growth angle to it and diversity and, and uh, participation focus. And that's really the story that motivates a lot of change in government. We find it much easier to work around that angle than saying, oh, you should do things better for the sake of doing them better. This is like a really clear outcome focus that everyone gets and where we're providing a really simple fix. So how did you get these small businesses to find out about these procurements in the first place? Yeah, so we, we developed a product called BidSpark. It's literally a one-click procurement product. And what it does, it, it gathers data on all businesses that can solve city problems, tens of thousands of businesses that may not know they can work with government, but where we know they have the capacity um, to meet needs in areas like technology or, or public works or um, social services and so forth. Um, and so what BidSpark does, it takes an RFP, a standard procurement, and it actively engages every business. To give you an idea, in Baltimore, less than 1% of businesses in the city are registered to work with government or receive notifications of opportunities. They would never find out. So we're reaching the other 99%, and we're engaging them in plain language, really simple campaigns that say, are you good at providing painting services? Well, then there is a $350,000 contract possibly waiting for you with your city hall. So it makes it really easy. And then all those barriers that people complain about in terms of bidding and participating really stand in no proportion to the cost of finding out and developing business with government. And that's the pain we're removing. And then we're providing data to governments as to how they can simplify their processes and make it easier and easier every day. Yeah, so I guess instead of just say I've got a business, I've got to go to the government, I got to register, become an approved supplier, get on their notification list. You you just bypass all that and essentially do direct digital marketing to these firms and get get them in. So then that's that's pretty. I think that would be like a different kind of approach because so often it's like everybody expects they're going to come to you and you're like well, we're going to go to them and proactively develop these yeah. leads on new businesses who might be able to do new things. Yeah, regrettably, government, um, like many other buyers, but government in particular, thinks that they're such an attractive buyer that when they post an RFP, the whole world comes to standstill. Everyone goes like, oh, my God, there is a contract I can win. And I think what people have come around to, and we've been able to demonstrate this through data and participation rates and really breaking down what happens in a transaction, that you are missing out 99% of the market, that the world doesn't come to a standstill, that people don't know that you're offering a contract and that it should look more like you're recruiting top talent. You should look for where do I find the best possible people to do this job for me? And so we get not only higher um, winning rates of small and minority businesses, but we're also getting much higher customer satisfaction. The city said, this is brilliant. We're saving 30% of our budget most of the time because we're getting better deals, better ideas, and we're getting teams who really want to do this work so uh, so all in all, the experience changes as a result by bringing some fresh blood to the table. Well, that's great. Ordinarily, I, I put together a final question, but I didn't do that for this. So I'll just give you the opportunity. If there's anything else I didn't ask you about that you'd like to, uh, to hit on this topic, what should people know about procurement or what you do that uh, would be important for them? 
I would, I would say that uh, the angle we should take on procurement is really to think about, as a resident in a city, I would expect my government to deliver the best possible service or solution to the needs I have in the shortest possible time within the budget we have at our disposal. And I think those should be the guiding questions for everyone involved in procurement, whether you're selling to government, whether you're voting for government, whether you're, um, you're working inside government. Um, and I think we, for too long, we've been hiding ourselves behind rules and regulations that often evaporate when you really look for them. And, um, and actually, it is really 99% of this is a matter of intention of what you want to do. And then the systems are universally designed to actually deliver that for you. So I think in our mind, we should think about procurement as a creative process and as a real opportunity um, for change. I think that's, that's what I would like everyone to walk away with from this. Well, excellent. Well, once again, Sasha Hasselmeyer is the founder of CityMart. You can find them at citymart.com. And Sasha, thank you very much for coming in and talking with us today. Wonderful to be here. Thank you, Aaron.